Wanna Vibe is a podcast and resource speaking simply about all things wellness. We want to break down each topic and start from the beginning, avoiding the assumption that everyone knows the building blocks to a particular subject. The way we see it, wellness is all-encompassing of each aspect that affects our everyday lives. In addition to our faves like fitness and nutrition, this could mean anything from relationships to careers, finances, spirituality, and so much more. We are Abby and Issa. Wanna Vibe? Welcome back to One of Eyes. I'm Abby, and today we have Evan Rose, dating and love life coach, and also what a badass name! I know it's Evan <laughs> Rose. That's like a thank you so name. much. It's like not even real. Is that your real name? It's real. Well, yeah, yes, and Evan Rose is my middle name. Dropped the last name because it's boring. Right. But yeah, I mean, Evan Rose is on my birth certificate, so it, it counts as real, right? Totally. Yeah. So, Evan, give us a little a little intro, a little elevator pitch. Yeah, dating and love life coach. So I support millennial women, specifically single women, who are ready to break through their patterns and frustration and stuckness around dating and love life. Um, Women who are really empowered and high achieving kind of look like they have it all together from the outside and are just so ready to create deeper connection, intimacy, partnership, have a fulfilling love life experience. I just got to say, I know. I love love so much. (laughs) Me too. Lisa has been waiting for this episode with bated breath. Yeah. Cause like sometimes I'm like, who are we interviewing? Like what, what do they do? And then like, I go on your website and I was like, jackpot. (laughs) I am in. I was like so excited. No, I feel like this is like such a relevant conversation right now because I feel like the women of our generation are like so divided, right? They're either like settled down Mm-hmm. Or they're like, what the fuck is going on? There's like literally no one between except for Isa. You're like the only one love, in between island. <laughs> I love love. But I also, I always say this to him, like, believe in love and believe in yourself. Those are like the two things like that you mm. just have to like stick to that. And so now I'm like, yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. So let's talk about it. But first. Yeah, we got to start where it all started. Yeah. Take us back to the beginning to baby Evan Rose. Mm. Um, tell us just about your like childhood and your parents and like the things that brought you here today? Yeah. So I was, I was born in Cleveland, Ohio. That's where I grew up. Uh, Both my parents were therapists actually. So I, from an early age was talking about feelings and, and yeah. And just like, I, I totally glorified their profession of helping people. Like to me, that was the ultimate. Right. Right. Um, and yeah. And then actually lost my dad as a kid. He died when I was eight. Thank you. So, you know, through that whole experience, like I kind of from early on was on my own journey of healing and and just looking at my mindset and coping tools and and dealing with a lot of anxiety and um found how beneficial it is to have support right, right. so like i've i've never had any stigma around therapy coaching support groups whatever that is um and then through that, I really my my kind of main outlets were theater I grew up doing musical theater and I absolutely yes. Loved it. Oh my God. I'm tapping in. Okay. Tell me everything. <laughs> yeah, that was my world for a long time. I went to college for, for theater and psychology. Wow. Um, Can you sing? Oh, girl. I mean, I, I sing like musical theater style, right? I'm not a, like, I wouldn't be on the radio, but I, any, anything, yeah, like, I just geek out on all things theater. Oh, I love it. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a huge part of my childhood. Um, and then what else is relevant? I went to an all girls school from third through 12th. Oh, wow. Interesting. 
Yeah, it was. Schools (laughs) and all that. We did. Yeah. So it was kind of this fun balance of like my school life itself, the, the community, the school I went to was incredible. So supportive, so empowering. I think I got a lot of my, um, you know, just like how, how deeply I care about empowering women and us feeling totally confident and safe and fully self-expressed in that environment. And then the other thing it did, I think, is it made me absolutely boy crazy. Right, right. I can't <laughs> you know, I was just like obsessively doodling boys' names and looking for, you know, I was like in theater. So that wasn't super helpful for meeting straight men. <laughs> uh, and, and just like any other, any other chance I could, I, like, I just thought about boys 24 seven and, and not much has changed in that regard. <laughs> I'm in my thirties. Maybe it's a little bit of a healthier, um, you know, outlook on it all. But, um, yeah. And I, and I started, you know, dating and, and, um, it's interesting because from the outside, I think it really looked like I was super confident. I was, I was like, um, kind of promiscuous in high school. And then I had a boyfriend from the end of high school through college. And then I had another boyfriend and like, there were always men in my life. Um, and what a lot of people didn't know is that I was really struggling internally with, with just, um, feeling like I needed to be perfect for men and getting a lot of my validation from men, yeah. having experiences that didn't necessarily feel super empowered, that felt more like I was going along with, you know, other people's expectations. Right. Um, yeah, like doing everything I could to try to make relationships work, really not speaking up for my own needs and desires and defining myself by these men. So there's just there was a lot there for me to to look at and work through and heal. And that's, that's really where, you know, my role now supporting women in in that journey um, was born. I have definitely been there with what exactly what you just said. And I feel like a lot of women either don't recognize it or don't talk about it really. And are embarrassed to say, I'm doing this because he wants me to, or, you know, where you're like not doing it for something you want. You just want him to like you. Yeah. You yeah. want that and, feeling. But I wonder like how much of that kind of behavior is like totally normal and just a part of growing up and a part of kind of like learning who you are and what you do like and what you don't like and just kind of discovering yourself and how much of it is actually unhealthy behavior that's detrimental to your own personal development. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, to- totally. And I don't really like to define anything as healthy or unhealthy, mm-hmm. you know, other than... um Obviously, there are things that are really self-harming or or dangerous, but yeah, I think a lot of it is exploration. A lot of it is like, part of it for me has been learning to not judge myself for all of that, right? And to not say like, oh, I was so messed up. It's like, no, I was figuring it out. But I I think the tricky thing is that, and this is what I see with clients a lot, is that um, we, it can take us a long time to even realize that that's what we're doing. Right. You know, like I didn't in those years, I didn't have the perspective to say like, oh, I'm, you know, uh, whatever, getting back together with this guy because I'm seeking validation or I'm not loving myself that much. Right. It was just like, I need him. I love him. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, and, um, I wasn't even like noticing where I was, um, trying to be who I thought he was. It really wasn't until I was 25 when I was single for the first time in my adult, you know, since I was like 17, that I realized I wasn't super clear on who I was as an individual. You know, I hadn't even noticed that I was 
so defining myself as being his girlfriend, whoever he was at the time. So specifically for you, and we'll like talk about kind of a little bit how you work with your clients later, but what did your journey into self-discovery look like? Yeah. So I would say that that breakup was kind of the turning point of just me realizing like, Ooh, you know, I, I have some self-work to do here. Um, and, and it was, it was really, um, a hybrid of, I, I had done therapy. Therapy had been super helpful for me in healing, you know, childhood trauma and doing some of that deeper work. But I got to this point where I was like, okay, now I need support that helps me move from here forward. And right. right, that isn't so much about looking back. So I was first just doing a lot of my own work, reading all the books and listening to all the podcasts and starting to journal and starting to connect more with myself, create mm-hmm. space for myself. Um, catch myself when I was going on dates and responding to men with what I thought they wanted to hear and saying things that were just like not authentic or feeling like, okay, I need to hook up with this guy to keep him and to like get him more interested. Or um, I need to pretend like I want something casual because I'm afraid of scaring. I was just noticing all these patterns. That's a big one. That is a big one. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was, I was like, I'm so chill. I wanted all these guys, you know, I'm like so easy breezy. Don't worry about me. Um, and I wasn't, I was like, (laughs) I was like so anxious inside. Um, yeah. And then eventually I got myself into a, a coaching program and worked with my own coach, which is where I really discovered, okay, coaching and therapy, there's a lot of overlap, but, um, coaching is really more about the present and future conversation, bridging the gap mm-hmm. and um, tools and practices and, and um, like really it's transformational. It's really helping yeah. you move forward. Um, and so as I started doing that work myself, I, it, it just blew my mind how much, how my entire reality shifted the people I was, you know, how I felt about myself, how I felt in my body, how I showed up, how I communicated the the quality of men that I was attracting, the kind of experiences I was having, the connection. It's like, I just realized how powerful we are. Mm -hmm. Isn't that so crazy? I've dated so many trash people, (laughs) (laughs) but I was not in a place of like, like I were in a a trash place. I was in a trash place. Yeah. (laughs) Truly a dumpster fire of a location. And I (laughs) just like, you know, and this was like, post this was like when I was just like fucking around like not right actual boyfriends but like I would just like and then one day it was just kind of like doing the work and putting it in to like get to a better place and then you started like you attract what you put out you know yeah totally yeah it's like our our whole reality is just a mirror for us right yeah and I spent a lot of time just like talking shit about men and being like it's them right? (laughs) And then, yeah. And and so taking responsibility for, okay, well, how am I showing up or who am I choosing? What am I engaging in? What am I tolerating? What am I not asking for? That's creating all of these experiences because ultimately we're the, we're the common denominator, right? In our own. Yeah. Everybody says, you know, like, oh, you're, you know, like you're the author of your book and uh, you're like, I am. Cause I thought, I thought I was just riding the ride here. And now it's like, no, seriously, like you can just figure it out and like put down what you want and then it'll attract back. No mm-hmm. trash. Yeah. My husband's latest saying is you can't change the way people act. You can only change the way that you react. He's true. like really into that saying. It's so yeah, it, it is true. It's annoying that he says that to me all the time, but it's <laughs> true. Um, so, 
so tell us like what is a day a day in the life of a dating and love life coach look like yeah well one thing i love about this work is that there really isn't a typical day um yeah and like that's really fun and it's it's also the flip side of that is being a business owner i did not realize when i started my coach you know i was like oh it's just coaching and then you know maybe there's like a little bit of business work, whatever that means on the side. And in reality, like I wear all of the hats, right? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, just there's so much more in the whole scope of the business than I imagined. But I will say my favorite days are, um, our client days. So like my, um, the, the foundation of my business is a group program that I run. Mm -hmm. Because what I've discovered, I I just coached one-on-one for the first maybe year and a half of my business and then um, really quickly discovered, first of all, how universal all of our struggles and all the shit we need to work through and our experiences are. For sure. Um, yeah. which at, And then hearing from client after client, I feel like I'm the only one. I feel like I'm crazy. I feel like something's wrong with me, right? Like my friends don't get it or everyone in my circle is is at this already at this next stage. Right. So um the the power I found of bringing women together to do this work in community and to be able to have the support of one another and see each other as um as as mirrors and as cheerleaders and as people to relate to it's so healing. Yeah. Uh and and it's just like way more fun for me. I love <laughs> I love leading communities. So um so on those days, uh, my group program is Love Life Transformation. On those days, I'm um, connecting with all of the women. I do some, some one-on-one connection with each of them. We have a Facebook community where everyone stays connected. And then we have a group um, video coaching call because the women are all over the country. Wow. Um, yeah. And, I, and everyone is sharing, sharing their breakthroughs, sharing where they're getting stuck. And I'm getting to kind of spot coach everyone um, in that in that group setting. And, and that's my absolute favorite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I just had a question that you said, Oh my God, what's wrong with me today? You're having a day. Huh? I am having a day apparently. <laughs> so what would you say is like the biggest reason why women seek you out? Like what is like a common theme? Mm. Like, is it, I mean, I know it's like, I'm having a hard time with my love life, but what specifically? Yeah. So a lot of times the, um, there are, there are kind of a few commonalities in the first thing I hear from people. Either it's, okay, I just got, I just got ghosted or I just, you know, lost this situation or I just like whatever it is for the 10th time, right? Like I like this just happened to me again and I literally cannot believe it. And it was the last straw and I'm ready for help. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's, you know, I just had a big birthday or I have a birthday coming up or, um, New Year's is coming up or my friends, you know, my high school friend's wedding is coming up. And I like had this aha moment of, I will not be stuck in the same place at this time next year. Right. Um, or it's someone I've had, I've had people reach out who are like, I've been following you and, and absorbing all the content you share for a year. And I finally feel ready or brave enough. Like it can be kind of scary to reach out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, something like that's so intimate where it's yeah. like, it's really hard to take a long, hard look in the mirror sometimes. And I think working with a coach, like you have to be ready to take on some of that responsibility for Mm -hmm. your actions. And so you have to be in a place where you're ready to admit that it's not just them. Like you said before, like 
you are the common denominator. And that's, that's the most vulnerable thing ever, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, totally. It's brave work to to be willing to look at ourselves. Um, Yeah. And then, you know, the other, the other flip side of that is sometimes I have women who are, who have a friend or someone in their lives who's gone through coaching or gone through my program or a similar program and they they watch their friend literally transform and they see what's possible for them. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, it's just like, okay, I I am over it. Like I am done being stuck. I, I want to get in the driver's seat. Like I want to get in control of this area, right? A lot of times it's like my like work life is going great. My, you're right. All these other boxes feel checked. Um, yeah. And they're like, I'm ready to prioritize this and do what it takes because I realize how important it is for me. And it's so much easier said than done to say like, I'm, you know, sometimes people just really need someone to guide them where it's like, cause you want it, you want to behave or you want to present in a certain way that's going to attract better people for you. And then that guy calls and you're like, eh, just one more. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And yeah. you fall back into stuff like that. And the support is so nice with the other women that you're like, bitch, don't go. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Our our comfort zones are so compelling. Like it feels so good. There's such instant gratification and this feeling of safety of going back to what we know. Right. And you know, like, and just being like, got him. Got him. Yeah. He texted me. Got yeah, him. Yeah. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. You're like, this feels good for a few hours. It's going to be a different type of situation. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so like logistically, how big are your groups? How long is your program? Um, and when people sign up, like what can they kind of expect to learn by the time they're finished? Yeah. Great question. So it's a 14 week program. It is maximum 12 women. So I keep the groups really intimate, yeah. which feels super important to me. Um, and we're moving through the way that it's structured. So there's, there's content that they work through each week, video lessons and guides with exercises and practices. And it's structured as five modules. So we start with self-relationship. So self-love, self-worth, um, looking at our stories we've created about ourselves, right? Our narratives, um, looking in, and learning from our past, getting really clear on our needs, our values. Um, so starting the program from this place of real self-love and radical self-care, right? Like speaking up for ourselves, all the good stuff. Um, Mindset work. So this is like almost every woman I talk to is knows that her mindset is getting in her way, right? Whether it's that she's like, I know I'm so jaded. I'm so negative. I like, I'm like, just have this awful attitude about men or about dating apps or about my city or whatever it is. And and usually before they reach out, like the women I work with have a lot of self-awareness. So they're like, I, I know this is a problem, <laughs> but like, what the fuck do I do about it? Right? Like, how do I actually change it? Um, and it is, it's, you know, our, our mindset, what we believe is possible, how we are, the frames through which we look at all this stuff is um, like directly correlates to how we show up in the experiences we have, what we're talking about, right? Who we attract, what we call in. Um, It's, it's everything. Mindset's the basis for everything. So we do a lot of work around creating a, a, an actually 
positive, supportive mindset and just learning some tools for working with your thoughts when they want to spiral into a negative place, um, doing some anxiety soothing. Because again, that's something I see show up a lot, especially with women who are starting to feel time pressure mm-hmm. um, or who have insecurities come up that, that block them from putting themselves out there, whatever it is. Um, and then we do some uh, work around shifting into our feminine energy. Mm-hmm. Which is really we've been talking a lot about lately. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. I feel like that's a theme that's been coming up a lot lately. Is like I think that just like women in general are becoming more aware of their the balance between their masculine and feminine feminine energy. Yeah, yeah. But I'm a very very masculine energy. Me too. Really, I feel like you're not. Oh my god! Thank you for saying that. <laughs> I feel like feminine. I feel like. Because I have like a low voice. Like you can be a bossy bitch, but like you're so emo. I feel like you're very in touch with your emotions. I am. I love to cry. Yeah, I think you're pretty feminine. Oh, that's great. And you, you're definitely feminine in your relationship. I have a bow in my hair right now. <laughs> well, that, that, I just want everyone know. That's the end of it. But honestly, I would have thought of that I presented a little masculine because I'm like a little rough. I think. No, I don't think your voice is your energy. No, I know. But I'm just saying, like just like in general, I like being aggressive. So, no? Mm-mm. Oh my God. I don't think you. you're aggressive. Okay, cool. I mean, sometimes you can be aggressive, but majority that. of the time, no. Oh. Okay. Okay, sorry, Eddie. She's about to cry. <laughs> no, I, I, I love this. I love this conversation. Yeah, it's funny because we, first of all, we, we, we all have masculine and feminine energy, right? right? And like, we can shift between them. Like I, when we're, when we're in work mode, for the most part, we're in our masculine, we're in our right. heads, problem solving, thinking ahead, like getting shit done, being in control, taking action. Um, and that's, great. Like that serves us. And then a lot of times that carries over into how we're showing up in our dating lives. And so we, we are often disconnected from our bodies, our desires, our intuition, our vulnerability, um, our ability to receive, right. And like surrender a little bit and create that flirtatious vibe. Like all of that feels so much better, feels so much better. Um, and that must be hard for people that have a hard time, you know, like to, like you said, just like let go. Yeah. 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 Well, that's why we do practices around it. Right. Cause again, it's like not enough to just know all so many women I get on the phone with and they're like, okay, here are the 10 things that I know are getting my way. And I'm like, great. Right. And they're like, and I've read a bunch of books and I like talk about this with friends and I've been thinking about it for years. And like, I don't know what it actually looks like for me or what the tools are to make these shifts. So that's where, again, this program comes in of actually doing the work and having practices of how to get into your body, of how to connect to different parts of yourself, of, of how to catch yourself. Um, so yeah, a lot of example of how to like lean into your feminine energy. Sure. I mean, one thing that you like, recommend. Or- yeah. Well, one of the, one of the easiest and most fun ways. So a lot of it is about dropping from your head down into your body. Right. Mm-hmm. So putting on music and dancing, moving your body. Um, and especially like letting yourself move more sensually, but listeners can't see me, but I, I'm like literally like, t- like touching myself <laughs> as we're yeah. like touching my shoulders. And yeah, it's like, um, just actually learning how to kind of let your body flow and move and, and eventually like dancing in the mirror dance. I have women who love the practice of dancing for themselves in lingerie or, um, right. Like lighting candles, it's creating environments for yourself that feel good. Um, it's dropping down. I, well, I don't know what I can say in your podcast. I'm going to say whatever great. You want. Like learning how to drop down into your pussy. Yeah. 
yeah. So like actually getting in touch with like that energy and sensation and um, like grounding and uh, yeah, like starting, we do a practice um, when we start our group calls, I always start with a quick prompt to get, to get everyone connected before we do have everyone have their coaching time. And um, some of the prompts we'll do is one of them is just sharing a desire. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of times we think in terms of in our lives, in terms of should, right? What I should want or like what my goals should be and desire is really about like, what is my body craving? Right. Right. So just learning how to tune in and be like, Ooh, right now I desire uh, like a deep tissue massage with lavender scented oil and, you know, two mat, like masseuse's hands on my body and yeah, like right. really, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, as you, as you imagine feeling those sensations and you're listening to what your body wants and you're validating yourself of like, I can have that and not judging yourself or any of those desires. Like I, I'm not in my head anymore. I'm not thinking about my to-do list. I'm not mm. thinking about your judgment of me. I'm not, th- right. It's like, I'm really present in my body. Right. Yeah. I love that. I really love title of this too. episode, dropping down into your pussy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, <laughs> I love that so much. And I also think it's really interesting because I, I've been married for some years and I literally <laughs> how long have I been married for I've been married for eight years this year yeah and so it's interesting because a lot of these things you're saying I know that your aud- audience is predominantly like single women but a lot of these things are things that are applicable to people in relationships too and especially yeah. those people that are in long-term relationships like sometimes you forget you like literally forget that you have to sometimes like shift your energy or be more present in your body or listen to your intuition because mm-hmm. you've fallen into these like routines. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like you have your role and your husband has his role and you kind of both do the same thing. And it's, you know, like, and part of keeping it spicy in a relationship that's long term is, you know, checking yourself with things like this. So I think this is valuable not just for those people who are looking to be in a relationship, either with themselves or with somebody else, but people that are already in relationships too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing that just came to mind when you were sharing that is we, part of falling into routine in our relationships is also assuming that, assuming that we know what the other person is thinking Mm -hmm. and what they're going to do next and where they're going to fall short and what they want, assuming that they know what we want, that they can read our minds. Yeah. Right. Which is like something a lot of times, even with brand new people in our dating lives, we think because whatever whatever we're thinking, whatever we're feeling seems so obvious to us yep. right. that we feel like everyone else, and this is true in friendships, this is true everywhere, right? Like, that like everyone else should just get us, know what we need, know what's going on with us. And a lot of this work also is about communicating and and like sharing really honestly and vulnerably and and asking and listening and just not assuming. We do right. so, we make meaning of everything. We do so much assuming, and then there's so much you know, we, we disconnect and we like miss each other. Yep. Totally. Totally. Oh my God. I love that. Um, so I want to, I want to give you like a a basis of, I'm going to pretend to be a client right now. Great. So, um, I was like a serial roller coaster relationship kind of person. So if you didn't make me feel the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, then it like must not have been love. Um, Hmm. luckily 
I've gotten through that now. But as this, as this person, like, how do you handle somebody that like presents that way to you? Yeah. So that's a really common, a really common client for me. Yeah. Cause like, and it, like people mm-hmm. are like, Oh, this guy, he's like really nice, but like, he's too nice to me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I can, I can relate good, when they find a good person. It's like, this is boring though. Cause he like does everything that I want him to. And you're like, what? yeah, totally. Yeah. It's so wild. We really, I mean, you know, we grew up also our generation with like such insane examples of what love should look like in, in movies and media, you know, yeah. all of the like, um, Twilights and, and like Ryan and Marissa and Chuck and Blair, like all of these couples who are just like so toxic and such a roller coaster. And we're like, oh, that's so hot. And that's what I want. Still happening. Like 50 Shades of Gray. Like if he wasn't a billionaire, that would be abuse. Abuse. Thank you. I don't know why that word is. <laughs> but like, right? Like it's still happening. When is it going to change? Yeah. Well, it's hard because the stories that are the most compelling to watch, it's like no one, there, there really aren't movies about just an everyday slice of life couple who's, you know, happy yeah, and feels safe story. and secure. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. You have to see it. I know. I know. Thing you've ever seen in it's your good. life, but you should see yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. That's the thing is it's like, we, we just have to think about, okay, what's, what is up on the screen is not necessarily reality and it's not necessarily what we want to be modeling. And so all to say, I, I so get it. And that's how I grew up. And then once you have a couple experiences like that, you just condition yourself to feel yeah. like exactly. this obsession, this roller coaster is love, is passion and everything yeah. else is boring. Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing that we do um, is I, so a, a client would share, right? Like, here's what that looks like for me. Mm-hmm. Um, then I have them do this exercise where we actually talk through what do you desire to experience in your love life? Like, can you describe for me the, you know, ideal relationship and less like who the guy is and what it looks like and more how you feel in it, right? What do you really want to feel? And what I always hear is I want to feel secure, loved, safe, at peace. Mm -hmm. I want a sense of ease. I want to feel like I know where I stand. Like there's no questioning or second guessing or analyzing. You know, I want a partner. I want a teammate. I want someone who's right. So they, we get them really connected to that because most of us don't stop to think, what do I actually want? Right. We talk about the reality of what we're dealing with and how much it sucks and what, like what we don't want. Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of talk through that. Okay. Get connected to that. Feel that. Now let's look at the disconnect. Like let's look at the gap between, right? So like you just told me, I'm thinking of one client in particular who actually I'll share a little of her story because it's, it's like such a fun example of all this. So she was in this off and on years long thing with this guy total roller coaster, right? We had this exact conversation. She described what she wanted as she's saying it before I even say anything. She's like, well, fuck. (laughs) She's like, so she's like, what I told you about this other guy is like, it's literally the opposite of that. It's literally the opposite. It's anxiety. It's, it's second guessing. It's right. All of this stuff. Um, and so then we're like, okay, there's a difference between, so you have, you have feelings for this person. Yeah. Your, your attachment system, right? Also, we learned a little bit about attachment theory because mm-hmm. usually that's the anxious and avoidant um, attachment styles that are attracted to each other. They fall into that trap, literally called the anxious avoidant roller coaster, right? Oh. Yeah. It's a real, it's real fun. 
Um, and <laughs> so like learning about also your system and just like that, that's a real thing. It's not mm-hmm. that you're crazy. Like that's a real thing. There's chemical, right. right. Attraction there, um, and conditioning there. And so we just start to kind of tease out like, okay, let's redefine what healthy love looks like for you or would feel like for you. Mm-hmm. And, and what is choosing this kind of roller coaster experience costing you? Right. Right. Yeah. I'm just wondering, I'm trying to like put myself in the position of that roller coaster rider. And I just feel like, I wonder, I mean, do you find that it takes, obviously there's the moment of realization, but then actioning that Mm -hmm. can be really difficult. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's always easier said than done. Yeah. So do you ever find people that are like that know that it's dysfunction and they still get stuck? And like, how do you get them out of that? Yeah. So I've never had someone who's stuck indefinitely. I've certainly had women who like, especially early on in coaching will, will have a, you know, go back and have another experience with that person, whether it's like that they, that they like go back and have like a night with them, like a hookup with them or that they go to give them another chance or whatever. And the cool thing about being a coach is like, I'm not there to say, do not do that or this, right? We like, we'll really talk it out. It's so clear that it's always the client's choice. And I actually trust that whatever experience they have is an experience they needed to have. Cause sometimes it does take going back. right? Right. And then we get on the phone the next week and they're like, they're like, oh my God, I feel so you know, ashamed or whatever that I went and had this night. And the first thing and my like commitment in coaching is that I meet my clients with hundred percent approval. There's no judgment. There's no shaming. There's no, why did you do that? Right. It's like, who hasn't been we're there? human. Oh my no. God, we're human. And we look at like, okay, what, you know, where did that choice come from? Got it. Like, why is it important that you had that choice? Great. What did you learn from it? How do you feel today? Right. How do we set you, you up? What does setting boundaries look like? Maybe there needs to be, usually there's actually a conversation with that person. You know, we think like, oh, I just will delete their number. And oftentimes they're actually, it can be really empowering and a huge breakthrough to sit down and have a conversation with that person and say like, here's what I've realized about myself and why this isn't serving me. And here are the boundaries I need to put in place. Right. Um, so, so actually like taking action around all of that. And then starting to have experiences, like learning what a, I call it the slow burn can look like, which is when you meet some, when you, when you've conditioned yourself that the hot and cold unavailable guy roller coaster Mm -hmm. is the thing that turns you on, that like makes your body be like, hell yes. Um, then we have to know that we might at first feel turned off, you know, bored, whatever with the available nice, consistent guy. But if we've gotten clear, like this is actually the the kind of partner I truly want, um, then it's just knowing like it's not going to feel the exact same on that first date or second date, you know? So starting to learn what does it feel like for there to be more of a warmth here versus an instant fire. And, um, and like, okay, there's something really compelling about this person. I do want to see them again. I just am not sure yet if I want to rip his clothes off or, right. I, you know, I'm not like planning our wedding in my head necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> Would you say it's like more of a 
resetting expectations kind of situation? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's expectations, right. I think it's expectations in that. And I definitely don't mean that in like lowering your standards or settling. Yeah. Yeah. Just like looking at where we've created a story about here's how it should feel. And I'm going to know immediately when I see him, we're going to lock eyes and it's going to be passion. And I should be obsessing about him. And there's something wrong if I'm not checking my phone 10 times a day, worrying if he's texted me yet, right? Like we just, we've created this narrative for ourselves that that's what it should feel like, look like, and anything else is like not the thing. Absolutely. And so when we get clear on that and we're like, oh, that's just a story. That's just one possibility. And actually like it's, that's not something I'm interested in participating in anymore. It's not serving me. It's not getting me where I actually want to go. Yeah. I do not miss having like dating anxiety at all. I don't miss it. I don't want it. I don't ever want to see it again. I'm yeah. Like, it's, it was so bad. It really fucked me up to be honest. But like I think about that time and I'm like, holy crap, who was that? Because I was that person like fucking around with anybody who would like come by. Oh, no big deal. Like whatever. Call me, text me. Yeah, whatever. And it would kill me when they weren't talking to me. And then when they would, it would give me that instant gratification when they Mm -hmm. did. When I met my boyfriend now, we've been together for four years. We did lock eyes and I did feel like a, (gasps) when I met him. But after that, I left the party and I was like, all right, well, he was cute, but that was it. Yeah. Then he reached out to me. He like found me through our friends. I always say, I'm like, John is, so my John is like very calm and I'm always kind of waiting for like the other shoe to drop because he's so good to me that I'm like, what are you doing over there? You know, like, yeah, but I, and I joke around, I'm like, I'm the most boring person in the entire world and I wouldn't change the, like a single thing because I don't Mm -hmm. have that like up and down anymore. But these conversations of like, you know, like kind of talking to yourself and be like, where am I setting my boundaries? I remember sitting in bed praying, um, I was like, I just want to find somebody who loves me like I love them. And Mm -hmm. everything that I was trying otherwise was not fucking working because I was just like slutting it up or, you know, playing games and like trying to whatever. And once I kind of released that, it took me about a year. And then I found John and I was like, this is weird. And now I'm like, I love this so much. I want to just be like calm and chill and like, like him, like how he is. Do you ever work with clients that are in relationships and maybe just need a little bit of clarity, or are you pretty much strictly like the single gal? My my main kind of client demographic is single women, specifically Mm -hmm. for the group program. I do work with women sometimes, and this is actually one of my favorite uh, kind of circumstances to work within is women who are in a situationship. So like women who reach out and they're like, I'm in something. It is not a relationship yet. It's not defined. Um, I'm very confused. I'm like into him, but there are all these mixed signals. I'm scared to say what I really want. Right. So like that, because also I can just relate to that so well. Mm -hmm. Um, there's, there's such powerful work to be done there around our own empowerment and being able to say what we want and looking at how we're showing up, you know, exactly what you're just saying about like, where are you playing games? You don't think you're playing games, but like, right. If you're not really saying what you want or you're what you're not purposely not texting him so that you can like test and see if he'll tell, like all of that's games, all of it. And, um, yeah. And so like every time you learn how to show up from an empowered place and, ask for what you want and create that open communication, you will always either get closer, you'll get more connected to that person, it will move the way you want it to, or you'll get clarity 
Right. Mm. And either way, it's a win-win, right? So it's, um, there's always like a huge breakthrough there. And then, um, and then I do sometimes work with clients who I worked with from when they were single and then I'll continue supporting them as they get into a relationship. Um, and I have a few who I've now worked with all the way up until their engagements, which is really fun. Yeah. And, and beyond, I have a couple of their weddings this year. Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Oh my gosh. It's like the most rewarding thing ever. And not that it's all, you know, it's not, my work is not all about just like getting you a guy or getting you, and that's getting getting hitched. Totally not. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Like a lot of women reach out because they're like, I ultimately want partnership. Great. And like, this work will really shift so much more than than just your love life, and it will allow you to enjoy the whole dating experience. Because I do, they have you like on speed dial? Are they like in a date in the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> he just said this to me, and I said, "I'll be right back." And then they're they absolutely you. not. <laughs> no boundaries. <laughs> Hashtag boundaries. Yeah, um, it's funny. When I first started out, I was like way too available for my clients. I had no boundaries, and aside from the fact that that was not sustainable for me, I also had this realization that I was. I was kind of like training my clients to be dependent on me, which is not the point. Yeah, exactly. And and so coaching is really about, I mean, yes, they they can totally reach out to me in between sessions over email. Um, And like, you know, we all follow each other on Instagram. Sometimes we DM, it's fine. But um, they can absolutely reach out to me. And sometimes things come up where they need support in real time. And that's, I'm, I'm here for that. But for the most part, it's helping them to have like they know the tools, the practices, right? right? Like they, I've had so many clients say to me um, that they can like hear my voice in their head now, right? So they're just like, okay, what would Evan tell me? And they pretty much know, right? Because I- You said in my head. (laughs) (laughs) She tells me all the time, she was like randomly, randomly tells me, she's like, fuck you. (laughs) I can hear you in my head. Sometimes I'll read things in her voice. It's like crazy. But that's so good. Like, you know, for lack of a better way to say it, like they carry you with them yeah, and that they are practicing like in the wild, you know, yeah. Yeah. Like applying what they're learning as long as they're doing the work, you know? Yeah. So great. Yeah, exactly. Right. I don't, I, I mean, as much as I would love to work with all my clients forever, like they shouldn't need me forever. Right. right. Coaching isn't a, you know, again, one of the differences with therapy is like for, for some people, they might be with their therapist for years and years and years. And that's great. You know, if, if that feels helpful for them, but coaching is really like, okay, here's what you want to accomplish. Let's do the work and send you off with the tools and we can check in now and then we can, I have a graduate community actually for women who've gone through the program. Yeah. So that they all stay connected and there's, there's some continued support, but, um, yeah, like you, you shouldn't need me for every, I don't want you to be relying on me. You actually have all the answers. Have you ever had to be like, I'm afraid I can't coach you? Oh yeah. Any like red flag incidents? Mm. Um, yeah, it, it, it's not so much red flags. It's, I've had a couple of, con- it's very, very rare, but I've had a couple of consults over the years with women who, um, you, you know, the, the, consult or enrollment call that I have with women is a, is kind of coaching. I'm asking them questions and I'm helping them sort through what are their desires, what are their blocks, right? What are their beliefs that are that are keeping them stuck? And once in a while there's someone who is so attached to her 
negative beliefs or her stories about men or about, you know, external circumstances or about how like this just is not possible for her. Right. Um, that it, that it, she, at the, at the time, no one I don't think is like uncoachable forever, but like in that moment feels not ready for coaching. And I'll be honest about that. Right. I'm like very blunt. So, um, did you have to yeah. yourself to be that way or was it like, you know, was it a process or have you always just, been yeah, like, no. No, I definitely, it's definitely been a process. I, I say that I'm a recovering people pleaser, mm, which is also that. something that I work with a lot of my clients on. And I definitely had a thing when I started out of like, um, well, some of it honestly was just scarcity of what I was first getting started of like, I need clients. And so it was like, I want to try to help everyone. Yeah. Um, versus, okay, who am I actually a great fit for? Who, right. And, and I'll refer people out if it doesn't feel like the right fit. And, um, and then I also just really want, I, I like for so much of my life just really wanted to be liked. Yeah. And, and I, and I was like so scared of offending anyone or like, yeah, coming off as anything other than just likable and loving and giving. And, and, um, and, and I am back end, loving and exhausted. <laughs> totally, yeah. totally. And it's like, it, it's funny because of course now this is so much of what I teach that when we're people pleasing, when we are not being honest about our feelings, our boundaries, um, asking people for what we need, it is in such disservice to our relationships. Yeah. Like we think that that's helping our relationships. We think that that's connecting us, but it's not, it's not authentic. Mm-hmm. It's not real connection, right? Like it's, really? it's, yeah. So that's been a huge shift for me. <clears throat> what do you think is like one of the biggest, and I, and I guess the word biggest could have multiple meanings, but bear with me, like roadblocks for people who want to find this type of intimacy. So like, I guess biggest could mean most common or biggest could mean most hard to overcome. Mm. But either way, I mean, you, you meet with all of these women, I assume that there are some pretty frequent behavioral patterns that you see repeatedly. So what is that you see that's um, either one of those things? Yeah. So the kind of high level answer is fear. It, it all comes down to fear actually. Um, and that can look different for, for any of us. Right. So that could be like our own insecurities, like fear of really being seen fear of rejection, fear of getting hurt again, um, fear of uh, like becoming our parents' relationship, you know, emulating our parents' relationship, fear, whatever it is, um, that, and, and that we're letting that fear dictate how we show. Because we all have fear. And my work actually isn't like getting rid of fear 100%. It's just noticing it and naming it and learning how to make choices from a different place, right? right? Like to get comfortable in the uncomfortable, to be willing to lean into the unknown and Mm -hmm. to show ourselves and to all that. Um, And then, and then more specifically, I would say, um, well, I, I work with a lot of women who either have, either have kind of like we were talking about just had so many years of experiences of being in, um, 
unhealthy for lack of a better word, dynamics, roller coaster rides, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. undefined things, some sometimes abusive relationships. Um, or I, I also have women who haven't been on a date in two years, mm-hmm. you know, and have like completely put that part of their life on the back burner and avoid it or who, or who are in their thirties and have never had a committed relationship or, and the interesting thing is none of that to me as a coach, I've seen so many women in all of those circumstances within a few short months, completely break through all of that and, and create an entirely new relationship to their own, to themselves, to their dating lives, to men and, and have go on to have completely healthy, beautiful, fulfilling partnerships. So to me, it's like not, not hard. <laughs> not like I, I, I've never been like, Ooh, this is going to be a real tough one. Cause I can see what's possible for people. It might feel hard. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just, you know, we, we all have patterns mm-hmm. and those patterns get really yeah, deeply yeah. ingrained. Yeah. And it can be hard for us without someone else's perspective to even see what's pot. We all kind of have blinders on. Mm-hmm. That's really what it is, right? And we all have blinders on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And we all have these blind spots. So we're like, it's hard for us to really imagine that a, a totally different experience is possible for us. What do you notice is like a common thread among like your more successful stories for like women that come mm-hmm. through? Common thread. I would say... Um, Every single woman I've worked with who like fully embraces and like leans into this work. Mm-hmm. So for the for the program, for example, the women who really take their time with the content every week, who take on the practices, right? Because mm-hmm. it's one thing to be like, oh yeah, I should be, you know, using an affirmation or do getting into my body before dates or whatever. Because a lot of people I'm sure would feel like uncomfortable. Like if I remember when I started therapy and and she would say like, tell yourself you love yourself in the mirror. I'd be like, no, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that. Because it's like, we, even if it's just you and your reflection, you're like, I have to say what? I have to mm-hmm. look at my own, into my own eyes and say what? Yeah. Like, but if you just like trust whoever you're seeking help from enough to do it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like telling your friends, look in the mirror, bitch, and tell yourself you love yourself. Right. Totally. Yeah. And, and part of it also, like one, one great thing about doing this work with a coach rather than like, let's say you read about that exercise in a book is you might just be like, this is too uncomfortable. I'm not going to do it. With a coach, I'm like, great. Talk to me about the resistance you're having. Yeah. What's the, right? Like, what's the fear? What, what is that discomfort? Where, where else in your life are you getting stopped because it's uncomfortable? It makes such a difference to receive permission from someone to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Through to things. Yeah. Yeah, I think that it's really nice that you've cultivated this group setting because I feel like these types of topics are the ones that no one talks about because they're uncomfortable talking about it. And when you don't talk about something, you feel like you're the only one that is experiencing that, Mm -hmm. which makes you even more resistant to talking about it. You know what I mean? So it's like this vicious cycle. So the fact that you can set up 12 women together and they can all look at each other and realize they're not alone. 
you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. A lot of times someone will name something and then other women will be like, oh my gosh, that that's it. That's the feeling. That's the thought. And I hadn't even been able to name it or yeah, uncover it. Verbalize it until like right now. Yeah. Or like you sharing about that traumatic incident you had, you know, ab- about that experience you had gave me permission to share mine. And like suddenly this thing that had so much shame around it for me, right? Because shame, shame only lives in secrecy and darkness. It's the stuff we're not willing. So as soon as we bring light to it, it really dissipates and then we can start working with it. And that, right. So yeah, there, man, community is like the most powerful thing in the world. Totally. Um, oh my God. So I totally say this all the time Mm -hmm. and I feel like I hear it a lot too, especially to women who are struggling who want to be in a relationship but are struggling to find like that person is that like, if you don't love yourself, how can you expect somebody else to love you? Do you think that's like a valid saying? I mean, it sounds like part of your um, program is built on that the aspect of self-love, but do you think that they have to go hand in hand or do you think that one could come before the other? That's a really good question. So yeah, the, the tricky thing with being able to be loved or have a loving partnership before you are, what I'll say is like practicing self-love because self-love is an all or nothing, right? It's not like you either love yourself or you don't. Oh, thank you for saying that. That was nice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. That's yeah. Good. It's like, I have my moments. I have my thoughts. I have my, you know, all of that. And yeah. so when I teach self-love, it's not just this like flowery concept. It's like, here are some practices. How do we actually show ourselves love? How do we change our self-talk, our messaging, Mm -hmm. setting boundaries as an act of self-love, all of that, right? Um, And like not judging ourselves for having mean thoughts come up about ourselves or whatever, because that's also just human. But um, yeah, so the tricky thing about if we're really not in a self-loving place, it's less of like, how can you expect someone else to love you? Because someone might, totally, you know, someone might still see you and be like, they see all the beautiful, wonderful things about you and they might want to give you love. But the the truer thing is it's actually really hard for us to receive yeah. love in a healthy way if we don't feel deserving or worthy of it. And if we're not practicing self-love, if we're like dishonoring our own boundaries a lot, putting other people's needs before our own, mm-hmm. talking to ourselves unkindly, will tolerate, like we will tolerate the same level of treatment from other people as we give ourselves. Right. And so when someone shows up then and he's like complimenting you and, and caring for you and bring you flowers, if you don't really believe you're worthy of that, you will either, uh, sabotage it. Cause you feel suspicious of it. You know, you're like, what's his deal? Like he obviously has ulterior motives. This can't just be about me. Um, <laughs> Or it will just feel so uncomfortable because there's a disconnect in the way that he's treating you and the way that you really see yourself. So that like sometimes we'll friends on that person or we won't be attracted to that person. That's why the changing the way that you're loving, caring for, treating yourself, seeing yourself really changes the people that you're attracted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the kind of treatment you're attracted to, it's wild. Yeah. yeah. Even still sometimes when Jesse's really nice to me, I'm like, um, why did you bring me flowers for no reason? <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But small things like that and just like accepting it. I know it's hard for you to say, thank you. Yeah. Oh my God, that's so nice. You're like, 
why the fuck are you doing <laughs> What's this wrong? What did you do? Um, <clears throat> sorry. So dating apps and like, mm-hmm. yeah, yay or nay. Oh, um, yay. In that they're, they're just another platform to use. They're just another avenue of meeting people. Um, you know, we, we put the meaning into anything, right? Like love dating apps, hate dating apps, dating apps are disconnecting all of us and like fucking us over. Dating apps are making it so easy to meet people. Like those are all just, again, stories, meaning that we make of them. Like a dating app is literally just a virtual platform for, you know, being introduced or initially connecting with someone. That's all it is. So it's how, mm -hmm. no, no, go ahead. I was just going to say it's, it's how we're using them. Right. right. That right. either is going to be right. helpful or not. And I think that I agree with you. Like, I mean, I met Jesse way before a dating app was even a thing, but he always says like, oh my God, like if I were single now, like, I don't know what I would do because there's no way I would ever meet somebody on a dating right. app. And I'm like, I actually think that like being in my mid thirties and not wanting to leave my house <laughs> ever, a dating app would be kind of cool because you don't have to like get all dressed up, go out to the bar, like spend a million dollars, like rally all your girlfriends, like whatever, and not meet somebody. You know what I mean? And then think yeah. about all of the times that you might have to do that. So to me, I'm like a dating app seems pretty efficient. Yeah. Cause you're not drunk but, and you're not spending money. Totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but, and you're not like going to work hungover on a Wednesday, yeah. like fucking pooping <laughs> in the water fountain. Um, but then I'm like, it's also made meeting people so casual that I feel like generally speaking more often from the dude side of things, they are not taking these interactions as seriously as typically the female side is. Right. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. I just wonder, like, I don't know if that's because of dating apps or if that, you know, it's like, it's hard to say what the cause, what's the like, cause and what's the result right, right um like dudes were ghosting way before tinder yeah. <laughs> well and like listen like in to me an app and the people who are on an app are is just a representation or like microcosm if you will great word mm-hmm. of um <laughs> of like did I use that right I love that word and sometimes I'm not sure if I'm using it right. um I don't know we'll google it, it was <laughs> perfect it was fine I wanted to use it thank you um yeah it's like just a representation of what's uh, to me of like what's going on out there anyway and so there are people on apps who are just looking to hook up there are people on apps who are not interested in really communicating honestly there are people on apps who are looking for their forever partner there are people it, it, it's all there Mm. Right. So I think we have to, and this is where it comes back to like mindset and beliefs. If a lot of us are going to the apps being like already with the mindset of this sucks, you know, apps are ruining dating culture. All the, all the people on here are douchebags and like, you know, dishonest and like everyone's just trying to fuck. And, um, you know, I know this is going to suck, but like, I have to do it because it's the only way to meet someone. Yeah. That's fine if that is your attitude going in, but like pretty unlikely you're going to go in with that mindset, swipe with that mindset, message with that mindset, yeah, and then yeah. have this like great connection and and open communication. And um, and I have plenty of clients, and I've met you know, my, I met a man I dated for a year on an on an app. I have plenty of clients who are in relationships or moving in together, or whatever, who met online. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's like there, there are absolutely people on there 
just like there are at any bar or anywhere else you're going to find someone who who really wants connection, who wants the real deal. We just might, you know, a lot of us don't necessarily know how to go about creating that. Right. And what about beyond just dating apps, but like social media in general, I feel like I feel like we've become so obsessed with our image, having social media, yeah. posting our highlight reels and all of those types of things that like, do you think that it's a more of a challenge to actually present yourself authentically in person? Mm. Oh, that is such a good question. Because um, like when you're face tuned to the nines and then you like show up on your date and you look like a totally whoa. different person. Yeah. It's like, yeah. You know, it's, it's. There, that's a whole nother hurdle then. Yeah. I mean, in an ideal world, I would love for all of us to be showing up more authentically online as well, yeah. but easier said than done. You know, I, like even I have my, I won't, I, I don't use Facetune or anything, but then like I'll still use a filter or I'll still, right. you know, like if I, if I have a like glaring pimple, like might not do a Instagram story that day, right? That's real. Um, or I will, but I'll like point it out and be like, look how authentic I'm being. So it's, it's, it's very, right, right. it's tricky. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of, for, for me and my work, a lot of this is, is about learning how to show up authentically and, um, just learning how to embrace the fact that we're imperfect and we're messy and that's what makes us human. And that's what really makes us able to connect with people. If, mm-hmm. if our whole goal is, look and sound and pretend to be as perfect as we can so that we don't get found out as being flawed right, or messy or whatever it is, we will always have these surface level relationships. There, there's only so deep we can go yeah. from that place. So yeah, like learning how to embrace our own messiness and our full spectrum of emotions and our, and the fact that we're all imperfect and that we're probably all looking for someone also like do you do you want someone i ask them in this sometimes do you want a partner who is flawless perfect never has a diff- like probably not oh right? my god jesse tagged me in a meme today that was like the difference between i wish i had my phone so i could pull it up but like dating a guy that has like an amazing body and like when you're laying on him he's like super hard and his pecs are bigger than your tits and blah blah, blah. <laughs> and then it's like being with someone who has a dad bod and is like cuddling with a pillow and like whatever. But then my immediate thought was like, well, if you have a better body than me, I'm more apt to be insecure. That was mm. my first thought. Oh. Was like, oh, actually keep your dad bod because it makes me look better in comparison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I think it's a good point just in that we're we are like constantly, we're wired to constantly compare ourselves. Whether it's like just having a conversation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it I mean that is like totally something we we all need to work on because right. whether it's that we're like oh okay I'm do, I'm doing I'm doing okay or like I look good because I think I'm look look better or or whatever it is make more whatever it is than this person or you know most of the time it's going to be the reverse we like we can so easily see what's wonderful about everyone else and what sucks about ourselves. Yeah. Um and then again, we're just like so in our heads and disconnected from ourselves and, and like not approving of ourselves. And it's just, yeah, this is like, this is all the shit we need to be bringing light to and learning how to just notice and name and then not, not let dictate right. who we are and how we show anything. up. It's, exactly. Yeah. It's just such a bummer. I think like <laughs> our parents' generation 
like I don't think that maybe the vehicles and where we're getting our messages from have changed a little bit. But if you think about it, like we're concerned with our image and like want to present ourselves in a certain way. And then I think about our parents and like our parents' parents and how, you know, women were groomed to like be, you know, ladies and like dress a certain way and like look, be perfect and be well-behaved and all those things. Like I remember my grandma being like, ladies don't do that. And I'd be like, fuck you, grandma. You know, uh-uh. so <laughs> I did. Poor grandma. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I think it's just like a modernized version of the same thing. And like, I just hope that like we can break out of that cycle. Like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's start the revolution right now. Speaking of like modernized things, I want to talk about actually like flipping that and talking about traditions. Like, how do you feel when your clients go out on dates? Do, does the guy pay? Ooh. Um, You know, like, do you encourage, not encourage that, but do you say like, yeah, let him pay or like um, texting, calling first, like doing those things. How do you, Mm. when do you go Dutch? How do you, (laughs) right? Like when's the time? Because honestly, like, I'm laughing, but I have no idea. So, right. But like, if you start dating somebody consistently and they're like constantly paying for you, like at some point you got to be like, I got this one Mm -hmm. or let's at least split it. Right. Mm -hmm. But I I like, I feel like I have control issues. And so when I was dating for 3.5 seconds, I was always the first one to pay because I was insecure about like letting the dude mm. maybe, maybe insecure is the wrong word but like I didn't want to have the awkward exchange so I was like oh let me get this one John let me pay for like our not let me pay like split with me like the first four dates and I never let him live it down and like remember that <laughs> <laughs> yeah I I am all for men paying on the first date yeah, and why not? you know it's like I I do not have hard and fast rules about things for the most part. Like even that, right? It's like you have to feel into it. And um, I, I certainly don't have like, okay, date three is when you split. But but I do think that there's there's good reason behind some of these traditions and some of the, I'll even say like masculine feminine more more than men and women because you know you can decide. Like if you, if you're someone who, it doesn't matter what, gender you are or how you identify. But if you're someone who wants to be more in the masculine role, which is more in control, taking care of things, um, right? Like doing the planning, holding the... She's my wife. Yeah. And... and She's my wife. Uh, then it's then it's fine, but a lot of times, like exactly what you were saying of a lot of times I notice the women who are uncomfortable with the man paying first or, or like sitting back and receiving that it is from this place of this, this story of like either, I don't really know if I deserve that or is he going to think that I'm entitled or is he going to think that I'm weak, right? Like I want something. Yeah. Right. Really good one. Or that I owe him something. Is there that obligation for X, Y, Z? And, um, yeah. And it's not, and, and actually like there's research behind, you know, it feels good for men to provide. Yeah. And, and whether that's like financially or whether that's holding the door open or, or mm-hmm. planning the date and for us to, to be appreciative and to like enjoy receiving that. And to, for me, I've been able to really reframe it as, okay, I am so in control and responsible and on my shit and a boss in my life. Mm -hmm. And it's been a practice, but it feels really good for me to lean back into my feminine and receive a bit more and invite someone to step up and 
plan some of the dates and, and like for me to get to be, to enjoy. Yeah. Mm. So I, I really think there's something behind that. And again, it's so not all or nothing. It's not like that means you can't say on a second or third date, like you got dinner, let me grab us a round of drinks or ice cream, mm-hmm. or, you know, he's planned a few dates and you're like, I want to surprise you and plan something. Or, mm-hmm. um, it's certainly not about waiting to not text for, I, I, I do not subscribe to any of that. Cause it, yeah. cause again, that gets into like game playing territory to me. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, but you could ask for what you want. You can, you can, I love this idea of inviting a man to ask you out, right? So if you're, um, if you're in a dating app, this is so common, or you're like going back and forth and you're like, what the fuck? Like he, we're clearly interested in each other, but like no one's making a move. I don't want to become a pen pal. I don't want to message with this guy for weeks who I've never met and waste my, right? I'm like, get out of the app as quickly as possible. Message yeah. for a couple of days tops. Um, and so a lot of women are like waiting for him to ask because they think that's what they're s- supposed to do. And, um, and we don't want to become the pursuer, meaning we don't want to slip into like, let me take you on a date. How's Thursday at seven o'clock? <laughs> so the balance is that we can actually, we can invite them to ask us out. We can give them the green light because men are scared by the way, and don't know what they're doing either and don't want to be rejected. Um, so we can totally say like, uh, you know, it's been really fun chatting and what do you think about taking this offline? Or, um, if you asked me out, I would say yes, FYI, or oh, that's cute. That is- yeah, right. Or, or same thing with them planning a date, like just saying, I would, what I would love, it would feel amazing for you to plan something for us. Yeah. Like you can ask for that. We don't have to be passive. Being in your feminine is not about being passive and not speaking up for yourself and just letting whatever happen. Um, but yeah, it, it actually feels really good to not be trying to control and micromanage the whole situation and take right. responsibility for how the date goes and who's going to pay and how are we going to get there. Yeah. You can let go a little bit. You like find your voice there too. And like you can set, like almost strengthen yourself and saying, yeah, this is what I want. You know, I, I, I like that when Evan talks about like, um, like talking, getting into her feminine, she like was yeah. around and then little, she little like, shimmy, she little back. shimmy action. I like that though a lot. Like, I didn't even know I do that. You know? Yeah, yeah. Honestly, you're getting into it. It is hot. Um, <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about like you and before we get into some listener questions. Um, so oh, Dexter wants attention. Give me some love. Dexter's not Dexter's not shy about telling you what he wants. Yeah, Dexter's definitely oh, not shy. Hi, um, Dexter. <laughs> he was licking my microphone before. Um, so we've spoken to like a few different coaches in different fields, you know, business, health, whatever. Um, and when you're when you're working on such an intimate level with that many people, like I feel like your your energy is just so um, on. Yeah, but also like sensitive. So I guess I, I'm wondering like what you do to protect your energy, to make sure that you're not being drained of energy, to make sure you're not picking up on all of these people's different, like kind of just like uncomfortable energy, because I think that like the women that you work in are in this time of transition and they're not sure and they're vulnerable and whatever. So what do you do to stay in your own element? Yeah. So one thing is, 
is boundaries just physically, like we were talking about with, I was noticing when I was, um, kind of like on call 24 seven, or when I would look at email over the weekend or have clients texting me over the weekend, like I, I didn't create any definition between right. my work life and when I'm available and being fully present in my personal life. So that, that's been a huge shift. That's been super helpful. Um, and then energetically it's, you know, I, I get grounded before each call and I have my own little traditions of, you know, lighting candles and tuning in. And even if it's like 30 seconds, it's just really dropping in. And then, um, when I'm in client sessions, I don't even know if it's conscious anymore. I feel like I've, I'm trying to think how to articulate it. I've learned how to really see people where they are without like going down and meeting them where they are without like getting into the discomfort with them or that, right. It's like, I, I get it and I can feel it. And, um, you don't have to live there. I don't have to live there. And I, and I also don't freak out because it's not like, I think when I first started, I had this idea that coaching meant every session they should feel like if it's working, they should feel really positive and really energized. And like, we should end every session on a high. And that, that is kind of the, usually that's what happens, especially like as we get further into the work. But um, I'm also just like so comfortable with all the emotions at this point that I'm like, yeah, like feel, if there's sadness coming up for you right now, like let's actually sit in that and have you feel that and talk through what's coming up. I don't need to like fix it or pull you up out of it or be like, mm-hmm. oh my God, like how do we make this better? Right? Because it's actually okay. And, and, a lot of my work is helping people approve of their own emotions because right. that helps them move through without overly attaching to them um, or shaming ourselves for them or whatever it is. So yeah. And then, and then when we close a session, um, I usually it feels, I feel comfortable and it's kind of easy at this point to step away and to go into what's next. But sometimes if it was a heavier session, I'll either have a quick little conversation with myself along the lines of, um, like, I trust that this person is exactly where she needs to be. And I know she can handle that. I really just have a lot of trust in my clients. Again, they're with, with coaching as, you know, in contrast with therapy, we, we see our clients as whole and healthy and, um, like no one's broken. We're not here to save. Right. So Mm -hmm. trusting, like she can handle this. She can be in this spot. Um, she has other women also to support her. She's, she has tools to take care of herself. Um, trusting that like her, just like I say to myself, like our, we have to just trust in our journeys. They're not, it's not like every single day is going to be perfect or better than the last. And right. Like if she's in a tough spot, if like this thing she was excited about didn't work out, that is so for a reason. She'll learn from it. She'll have a breakthrough because of it. I've seen it over and over and over. Um, and then the last thing I would say is, and this is bringing us kind of full circle, like I will blast some Lizzo. I will blast whatever music I need and I will literally move my body and dance or just go take a walk outside or do what I have to do to get out of my head and, and like physically shift my energy. Mm -hmm. Super helpful. Mm, I love that. I love that too. Um, so what about self-care? Like what are your self-care rituals look like? Do you have like a morning routine? Do you have a nighttime routine? Do you have a monthly massage? Like I want to hear all the specifics. Mm, yes to monthly massage. Um, almost daily bubble baths. 
Oh. Yeah. I, I like barely ever take a normal shower. I love a bubble bath. Um, yeah. It, it, routines. It's interesting because I, <laughs> I used to kind of judge myself for this because so many coaches and spiritual gurus and all the people I look up to have a really set morning and nighttime routine. And I tried that for a while and I would like do it and then I'd fall off the wagon and then I would like judge myself for not doing it. Yeah. And what I've what I've come to find is that for me, it's less about having a routine where I do the same thing every morning and every night and more about taking a few minutes. Well, one thing that I've loved that has been a recent change is I... Um, I plug my phone into charge in my kitchen at night. So like when I come in my room to wind down and to read or whatever before bed, I'm not on my phone. And same thing first thing in the morning, mm-hmm. I can't just like pick my phone up and start scrolling from bed, which was right. my, my older teen. That's huge. Yeah. So now it's like waking up in bed and taking a few minutes to actually check in with myself and see what I need. So sometimes that's like, I just want to like stretch for a few minutes, move my body. Sometimes that's um, I want to like pick up my journal and start, you know, journaling is big for me. Sometimes that's, I want to take a bath to start the day or I want to get outside. Um, so letting it be different. Start your day. Sometimes. Look at your face. I love a morning bath. A morning bath moment. Such a rebel. I never, yeah. I never thought it was a thing. I was listening to an episode of my favorite murder the other day and Georgia was talking about her afternoon baths and she's like, I'll never get over the fact that I live a life where I can take like a 2 p.m. bubble bath. Wow. Yes. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, I'm just going to go here because I feel like this podcast can handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's like a 2 p.m. 2 p.m. self-pleasure yeah. session, right? Which is also something I really encourage and talk about in my work is nice. like looking at how we give ourselves pleasure in all the ways. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, sometimes it's like I'm like turned on in the middle of the afternoon I or- I got to handle it. Totally. Literally. Literally. Um, (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. So just listening to what my, what my body needs has been like, I know this is really random and I'm probably too much information, but like I get horny in the middle of the day. Yeah, totally. I just can't Mm -hmm. think about it because I'm at work. I know it's the worst. You know, like it's weird. I actually feel like I'm more hornier in like peak hours because I'm the most awake. Yes. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I'm like, fuck, I'm so tired. I know. (laughs) I was at a WeWork the other day, just like so turned on for no reason, sitting there trying to focus on work in this like really quiet kind of like masculine work environment. I was like, what do I do I have to go home? Like, what do I do? It's like, this is awkward for everyone. I'm glad I don't feel, I feel less alone now. No, you're not. These are the type of things like we need to talk about so we know that we're not alone. Yeah. Let's talk about all yeah. horny, in the, horny in the middle of the day. Wait, so Let's do, do a whole other podcast. Do you a vibrator on... girl or do you like don't do tools? Um, I traditionally have been a vibrator girl. However, on January 1st this year, I did, a friend of mine is a, um, sex sensuality sex and sensuality coach mm-hmm. and um she was and leading this i was just gonna say oh yeah yeah oh you will love her i will connect to you after this absolutely um she's incredible and she she led this virtual workshop on the first that i did um where she takes you through this whole self-pleasure guided meditation experience wow yeah and it's um and now you're like, fuck the vibrators. Yeah. Well, <laughs> really, I, I, what I noticed uh, and actually inspired in February, the 
in my graduate community, um, we have a monthly theme and February spoiler, I hope no one's listening from the group, um, is self-pleasure themed. Because what I noticed was, I was like, wow, I never give myself this much time and like slow down this much and explore touch in in these other ways that's like so much more sensual and so much more the, the way, it's the way that I want and love to receive mm. touch from men, right? It's mm-hmm, like, yeah. if you if you are with a guy who's just like going immediately for like, penetration or immediately for like what we call pulling for climax, right? It's just like so focused Mm -hmm. on getting off. Mm -hmm. You'd probably feel frustrated. You'd probably feel like the rest of you is being neglected or whatever, right? When it's like banging out. (laughs) Banging out, which like is fine. Again, no judgment. But yeah, I was just like, wow, there's, it's, it felt really like indulgent and beautiful and self-loving. And there were like so many more notes, like like shades of pleasure yeah. Mm-hmm. And um and it was like just so much more intense actually than a vibrator orgasm right. for me. And so I have um since I've <laughs> I've declared January as a vibrator free month for myself. A dry a dry January. Uh, <laughs> well, well not dry, not dry, <laughs> just not vibrator. <laughs> Not awesome. dry at all, just in a different, just different <laughs> modalities. Um, yeah, and it's been, it's been lovely. That is wow. so cool, and it's so nice to have. You know, it, when everybody talks about sex, it's like, ooh, you know, like you get a little weird about it. But then one of your close friends does this as like, you know, for her living mm-hmm. or whatever, and opens you up to be able to talk about it and be like, yeah, you know, and like makes you feel safe enough that you're like, yeah, that's what I did, and I love that shit. Yeah, ooh, yeah. Hey cool. now, sorry. Well, because yeah. then you then you think about communicating what you want and need and asking right. for that in in sex or with partners, yeah. well, it and it's like, like, yeah. I was just gonna say, I think that like a surprising amount of women, like maybe think they want one thing, but at, well. Yeah. Actually, think right. they want one thing and actually want something else, or don't know what they want because they only know one or two one ways. Or, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So it it teaches you, but it also teaches you how to teach someone else. Someone else. Yeah. yeah. When John and I first were intimate, it was so silent. Well, I, he know, like oh my God. we've the talked, first time is always. The worst. I know, but like the first few times, just kind of like silent and awkward. And then one day, uh, I was like, so and I liked him so much that I was like, and I just remember saying to him like you can talk dirty to me if you want. And that was like, it's been on fire ever since. Like we yes. look back, but it was nice to feel comfortable enough with him to say, and with myself to say like, so like, I can't handle like just the, <laughs> we, you know, <laughs> I can't do silent. I yeah, can't do silent. silent. I can't do it. Oh, yeah. But it was like, but he was just being respectful of me, right, you know? Right. And well, I'm like, it's always just respect me. The beginning is always like boundary test. Of course. He's, I mean, mm-hmm. yes, but it was just, you know, it's nice to like yeah. communicate with somebody. And to feel all. safe that you can, can. communicate. Yeah. That yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, so we have a few questions from listeners. We did a little poll on Instagram. And my first, the first one is my favorite. <laughs> Go ahead. What's up with these dudes in the chase and these fuck boys? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that, and, and I actually replied to her because I was like literally LOLing and I was just like, you just totally made me giggle. And she said that she had been um, on and off seeing this guy. And from the beginning, it was made clear that it, there was nothing serious. And like, you know, the, the very, something that I hear quite frequently. Always, yeah. Um, and then he just like dropped off the face of the earth. 
Mm-hmm. So I guess that's the question. Yeah. What's well, so appealing to guys about the chase? I think the – oh, well, that's – okay. I, one thing I was going to say is I feel like she partly answered her own question and saying like from – from the beginning, it was set up as this casual right. thing. Like I, it, when something becomes a pattern, when you're like, these are the people that I'm attracting slash choosing and engaging with, and um, yeah, then it's like, again, we have to look at how are how are we showing up? Are we making it clear what we're looking for? Are we setting our standards high enough? Are we asking for what we're expecting are we making it okay essentially and that it's it's not like blaming ourselves it's not like no like no one deserves to be ghosted but right but it is like how are you communicating how are you engaging also that kind of sets the tone for this um because i do think i mean there is something biological in the chase there is something exciting and compelling and um and like you know the the challenge of it. Um, but, but there are so many men out there who are looking for something real. That's the, that's the other thing is like, to me, it's kind of not worth analyzing and getting into the psychology of like why some guys are that way. It's like they are. And some women are that way. Yeah. Yeah. Really? You know, fuck boy, check, move on. Exactly. Yeah. Like raise your standards, start, start calling in men, start like saying, I'm here for something real and like, take me on a real date. Right. I'm not just going to like casually hang out from the get go and call, like call me sometimes. I don't want to just text and like, let's even have a really frank conversation of like, Hey, if at any point you're not feeling this or you're unsure, like share that with me. Let's talk about it. Um, let's, let's like make a pact that we're not just going to stop communicating. You know, I, when I shifted my mindset around all this, like I have, I have not encountered a fuck boy in many years. So it really like, yeah, we, we can totally shift that. I feel like that is very similar to this question too. I keep having the same situation with different people talk for a month and nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. What's the pattern and how you're showing up, right? Because like we do the same thing over and over too. It's not just like, oh, these yeah. people are doing the same thing. It's like, oh, this is how I'm presenting myself. This is what I'm not saying. This is what I'm not asking well, you're for. Not saying if you're if you're saying like, oh, like casual is fine, then like expect and, that casual is going to be fucking fine. Exactly. Like, yeah. If you're looking for a relationship, say I want a relationship. Oh, that's not cool with you. Okay, bye. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Next question. I'm 30 and he's not anywhere. Well, I don't know if that's a question. Really. What does that mean? I guess they were like, you know, they're getting older and they're looking for someone. Yeah. And he's not anywhere. Yeah. Oh, like he doesn't exist. Yeah, I guess. I don't mm-hmm. know. It was like he's nowhere like, to be found. Yeah. Like they're getting older and it's like they can't. Like where is he? Yeah. Where is he? Mm-hmm. I keep going on dates. Where is he? Why isn't mm-hmm. he showing up? Oh, that's a sex in the city quote right there. <laughs> I was 15. I'm exhausted. Oh, Where, is is Where is he? Yeah. So to that, I would say we, we all have a story. We all have a narrative about like what our dating life has, has been and where we're at. And if your story or your belief is I'm 30, which even implicit, I think in her saying that is like, that feels really heavy. It feels like she's thinking of 30 as being like, yeah. I'm running out of time. I'm, I'm assuming, right? That she feels like she's running out of time. It should, it should have happened by now. She's 
failed at this or like it, this is the way it was supposed to be. Like all of these stories, all this pressure. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and he's not anywhere. If you're saying to yourself day in, day out and venting to friends and like looking at your love life through the lens of he, I'm 30 and he's not anywhere. He doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. That will be your reality. For right? sure. You, you know, like you will, um, if he's not anywhere, like what's the point? Why would I put myself out there? Or when I meet a guy, I'm already going to assume like this guy is going to let me down just like the last guy. There's got to be something wrong with him because right. there are no good guys left out there and no one's available. And like, you know, you will, that will be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about sex on the first date? That was another question. So again, no, no hard and fast <laughs> No pun intended. Uh, All the puns intended. R- rules here. <laughs> um, however, you know, that being said, I guess the, the first thing I would ask someone is like, how is that working for you? Right. Right? Because if you're someone who, and, and everyone will be able to find an exception to the rule. Everyone has a friend who had a one night stand and then that turned into something real that became their partner for life. Totally possible. And there's no, there's no judgment. There's no shame around it. However, for the most part, what I see playing out over and over again and what was my experience in the past when I had to get clear with myself on what pacing and boundaries and everything were, would serve me best is that when we have sex really early on with someone, um, there's a, there are a lot more potential pitfalls and, and like dangers to that, then there are benefits to it. Like usually people don't regret waiting a little bit. Um, what often happens if we have sex, you know, really early on is, um, first of all, the sex probably isn't going to be that great in of itself because we're not that comfortable with the person yet. We're not communicating what we want need. If we're not yet comfortable enough to have conversations about like sexual health and protection and all of that, probably too soon. Um, our expectations change of that person, depending on our attachment styles, especially for us anxious attachers, we'll, we'll feel like bonded to this person. It can create a lot of, um, this like false sense of intimacy and connection where like, you still don't know the person. You don't know if you're, you know, you probably haven't had a conversation about what they're looking for, what they're available for. They're involved with other people. Um, you know, then we have these like blinders on where if it is good, we're like, oh my God, I just want more of this person. And we're not asking the real questions we need to ask or yeah. So yeah. there, there's just a lot of, um, there's some horny honeys. It, everywhere. Does bi- it does bypass some of the substance. I feel like, because yeah. And you know, like the first, like what, however long of a relationship, like the honeymoon phase and it's just like sex all the fucking time. Right. And then you're like, after that period, you're like, okay, this is where we fall back on the real stuff fall back on yeah. the real stuff. Like if you, sorry, thank you, honey. If you bypass the real stuff, then a year in when the honeymoon period is over, you're like, oh shit. And it's like, yeah. and I don't really know much about and you. What are, are we you? doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's something like when we, when we wait a little bit and I like to reframe that for myself as like building anticipation and like savoring those early dates and like savoring the makeouts and the, and being able to like fool around in between there. So it's also not this restrictive, I don't like rules and I like, I, I like yeah. to rebel against rules. So I would not want someone being like, you have to wait till the fifth date. And then you're just there being like, yeah. well, this sucks and seems like this outdated. Right. But it's like, instead it, for me, it's, 
I want to really, and this is what I would share with someone if I'm sharing this boundary. Like I want, I'm excited about you. I'm attracted to you. I want to keep making out. I want to keep getting to know you more and like building intimacy and connection in, in all these other ways and building anticipation and like, let's have incredible sex when, when we really feel connected. And when we're at the point for me, it feels best to be at the point where we can at least acknowledge that we're not sleeping with other people or seeing other people. And by the way, then I'm like, go, like, go have random sex with someone. If that feels empowering for you outside of like an intentional date, someone you want to really get to know and potentially date. Right. This is not saying like you, I'm certainly not preaching not to get your needs met or like have great sex in your life. Yeah. I gave you that look because we have a friend that has a five date rule, but then (laughs) she tells the guy about her five date rule and it's like, you can't do that. And then she breaks it. But no, (laughs) then the guy is going to wait for the fifth date and then be like, got what I want. Bye. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. That, that doesn't feel great to me. And also like, I think putting a date number on it feels a little arbitrary because what, like those five dates could be that you like, grabbed a drink each time or it could be on a third date you could spend an entire day with someone and like yeah. you don't you right like yeah. every situation's different yeah so we're going to wrap up i love this i just want to let you know i really love this conversation me too oh super fun so fun but we like to end with um have you ever heard of Vogue 73 questions Oh yeah, we're not gonna ask you seventy. We do <laughs> five questions, but they're like rapid fire. First thing that comes to your mind. Yes. Oh my god. Okay, Are I'm nervous. That's not one of them. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> okay. First question: Your favorite pizza topping? Pineapple. Oh, <laughs> I love pineapple on my pizza. Really? Yeah. So good. Um, Zach Morris or AC Slater? Oh, Zach. Mm, Definitely Zach. Zach. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what's the last book that you read? Um, I just read, uh, well, reread Glennon Doyle Melton's, um, Love Warrior. Oh, oh my, yeah. I, in preparation, I have our new book on pre-order and I, yes, I cannot recommend this book enough. Wait, also, can I say a second one? Yeah. Cause I have to plug, there's this book called Three Women. Oh my God. I'm reading that right now. Oh my, isn't it so good? It's so, you know, I gotta say, I don't love the writing style, but oh. the stories themselves are so, I'm, I'm maybe 35% through. Mm-hmm. Um, I use a Kindle, so that's why oh, I use I percentages. Oh. <laughs> uh, but wild, wild. I'm like, mm-hmm. where is this going? It's like, are these true stories or is it? Yeah, evil? they're oh, true he, stories. They're he, true he, stories. He says very hesitant to read anything unless I like literally tie her up in the chair. Oh, they're like reading. It's so good. It's so compelling yeah. about women's desires and sexuality. Yeah, and, it's and like and it's very raw and honest, yeah. which is what I think I really like about it. What I meant by the right writing style is that I feel like it kind of jumps around a little bit and I get confused and I'm like not really sure what's going on. Got it. It's not like linear um, right. and I'm like trying to remember whose story is what but I do think that it's very a very powerful book I also yeah. just read where the crawdad sing which is a novel so it's like can't yeah be compared. yeah it was so freaking good that I'm having a hard time you know transitioning mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. anyway <laughs> <laughs> if you were a color what color would you be and why oh I would be um fuchsia oh my I knew you were gonna say something pink <laughs> tell us why or lavender um because it's like bright and fun and playful and like quirky kind of yeah it's vibrant too 
Yeah. 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 <laughs> Finally, our last final question. What is your vibe? Oh my gosh. What's my vibe? Um, oh, that's such a big question. Um, I think my vibe is loving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like, I think it's loving and present and playful. Yeah. And fuchsia, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Evan, you're so awesome. This was so fun. Tell everyone where it's they a can blast. Yeah. Uh, Instagram, Evan Rose. That's E-V-I-N. Well, well, funky. E-V-I-N Rose. Um, and then evanrosecoaching.com is my website. And uh, if you're interested in learning more about Love Life Transformation, the group program that I lead, it's evanrosecoaching.com slash LLT. We'll leave everything in the show notes. That's right. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Oh.